welcome to episode two of Rise in Red, the official podcast of SFU Hockey. Nick Torn alongside Mark Coletta and our producer, Jake. Um, recapping everything that happens in the, the previous games we've had before, looking ahead and some little dump and change. Mark, how you doing today? I'm good, Nick. How you doing? Hey, doing great, as I always am. Another episode here, another trip down south for you guys. You had a couple games against Adrian College and Lake Superior State University. Uh, pretty uh, pretty close, actually, I'd say, both games. Um, but let's start with Adrian College. How would you feel after that one? Yeah, I, I think a little disappointed, but I want to point out the Costco hoodie that our producer Jake's wearing. It's pretty <laughs> sweet. I couldn't find anything like this in Vancouver. I had to come all the way out to Kelowna, and I finally found something like it. You, you know, I just wholesale sweater. That's awesome. I was just at Costco the other day, and I saw like all the sweatpants and stuff like that at the Burnaby one. No, this is branded. It's pretty nice. I like it. Um, yeah, Nick, to answer your question, I thought it was um, an average first period at Adrian, and then we kind of took a little bit more stranglehold, and then the third period, I thought we did really well, but. Again, Adrian College is a good D3 program that made the national title game. And, you know, you can't fall behind in games like that. I think our guys are slowly figuring out that little mistakes at this level are not grade A chances anymore. They're in the back of your net. So overall, a loss is disappointing on that first night. And, and I thought we, we should have been more dialed in to, to, to jump on, on a team and make adjustments in game that we, we failed to do until late in the second and then obviously the third period we i thought we played well uh what were some uh some key stats some players that looked good to you in that adrian college game what uh, did anybody uh, raise their bar in that game well uh, it was colby matthews first game back since the michigan trip so he's been off the ice with a concussion and and rehabbing to get back in so you know we we threw him in on the friday night thinking that'd be the best best approach and he played really solid in net, made some big saves, and obviously he's a, a D1 guy that, that can hold the fort when he has to. So I thought he played well. You know, I thought we had some other good performances by, you know, Ben Ward was was a buzzsaw there. And, you know, it, it was hit or miss that game. I thought our defense struggled early in the game because Adrian was pressuring with a or just an aggressive flush out from behind the net, and, and it took our guys a while to figure it out. But, yeah, there was, there was some good performance. As the second period and third period came in, then guys started to find their, find their legs and, and start moving a bit more. So overall, again, disappointing to lose, but I think we we finished the game on a high, and then I think that rolled right into the next night. I mean, two to one, nothing to really hang your head over on, especially on a team like that. But um, as we're kind of going through these different cities, what what was the you know we talked about it before in the last episode? But what are some of the, like the facilities like? What are you know uh, what's what's a college university versus a un, uh, university? facility like what what what's the difference cool cool spot you know the d3 the three level and, and the d3 schools are a little bit different than the d1s just because size and, and the and the student body um a nice a nice rink on campus they've got a nice little stadium for football and soccer you know it, it's it's your prototypical d3 rink it's it's small it's it, it's it's there's some energy in there the campus itself is pretty nice. It's it's in a secluded area south of Detroit. Not secluded. It's just a smaller little town. But the campus is really nice. Everything again manicured and groomed. And, and it's a cool spot to be if you're if you're going there for athletics. I think they have six, 60 or 70 sports, not all varsity. I think they have bass fishing. Um <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. They've been, you know, they're on ESPN for bass fishing and, and they have cornhole. So I think Jake, that would be a good 
good spot for you to maybe jump into play. I think I'd, I'd be your partner if, if you want. We'll go to Adrian College, play cornhole. That, that is varsity cornhole. That's that yeah. sounds like an adventure. I I think I'm down. Yeah, that's, that's ESPN. The Ocho. The Ocho. Yeah, no, <laughs> sixty or seventy. 70 sports not all varsity obviously but yeah they that's pretty cool yeah so um yeah we had we had a good team meal on the friday night there at a, at a restaurant called sauce the chicken parm was really good uh, of course you and, got the chicken parm yeah 20 26 chicken parms for for the guys and wow. yeah it was good it was it was approved by jim camazola and myself so i can say it was it was good does peyton manning approve of it though yeah, or Ray Ferraro, chicken farm from way <laughs> back in the day. John Butchigross. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, I mean, again, not I mean, there definitely is a difference when it comes to to the the facilities and the academic side of things, D D one, D three, D two, whatever it is. But uh Adrian's a great place to visit, I think, for 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 a sport team. And they they had everything we needed and, and took care of us and treated us really well. All right, so let's move on over to the Lake Superior State University game. Uh, you guys were in it for most of the game. It was tied going into the third and a little bit let it slipped away. Obviously, I, I unfortunately couldn't watch, but based on the scoreline and what happened, that is um, that is what happened. How did you feel in that game? You guys were scoring. It was 8-4. to four. It's a pretty high-scoring affair. Yeah, I mean, we're leading 4-3 going into the third, and we give up a couple goals to, to go down 5-4, but, you know, I, again, getting back to the whole process of, of, of doing things at this level, you know, you, you play a Friday night game, you get on a bus the next day, you, you drive two and a half, three hours, stop at a restaurant, eat, get back on the bus, drive another hour and a half to get to Sault Ste. Marie right along the border. I mean, you can see the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound on the Canadian side, the, the arena from the American side. So you're right there. It's a small town. I mean, it's, it's a cool little spot when you're driving over the Wakanak Bridge, I think it is, and you go over the two of the Great Lakes. It's a, you know, a bridge that you can only go a certain amount of miles per hour if you're on a big bus. So our guys figuring out how to travel, play back to back, and then a D1 team. I thought we handled it well. You know, the first period we we bounced back after a couple of goals, tied it up twice, and again took the lead. Um, Jersey Orchard went out with a, with a dislocated shoulder halfway through the second, so we're down a man. Buddy Johnson's not even on the trip because he has a, a specialist appointment for his back. And Walker Erickson, after probably one of the better shifts we've had all year, to, to, to get the lead to 4-3, goes out with, with a five-minute major. So now we're down to 10 forwards. And so you're really, you're really thin and you're stretching the guys. The guys are playing with emotion. They're, they're blocking shots. You're, 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 you're just playing a high-intensity game. Nick Wicks was was real good. Tristan Cross probably logged 30 minutes. Uh, Henderson held the fort for as long as he could. And, and, you know, you know, Garrett Hilton was playing, struggling with a, with a growing pull and played really well. You know, we had guys score goals that, that haven't scored yet this year. So, you know, you, you really thinking you're going to win a game and then a couple of letdowns to tie. And then now you're down five, four. And uh, you can see the, the bench is just struggling to, to keep their legs above above water kind of thing and yeah it was that was a tough one i thought we we definitely were were good enough for the win that night yeah and goals from four different people uh you know you got help from everywhere and obviously with the the struggles with the injuries and and penalties you 
still held the fort pretty well. So, um, but uh, what was that like? If people don't know, Lake Superior State is in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, not Ontario. Let's clarify that. I had a moment yeah. when I saw that. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yo, what's it like? What's what's that campus? I, I believe Nick Wicks used to play there. Was it Nick Wicks? No, that? Nick was in. It was Scotty Patterson. Patterson. Scotty Patterson. Yeah. Or as of you guy. Yeah, Patterson was there. I mean, they it's a cool rink, cool facility. You know, I think they won a national title in 92, 94. Um, those were the years that, uh, you know, Paul Correa was at Maine. And I think Maine with Jim Montgomery, the coach of the Bruins, and Paul Correa beat Lake State for the national title. And that was a, you know, they were a pretty prominent program back in the, in the early 90s. So real historical place to play Lake Superior state and, you know, small town, really small. When we went to the hospital after to get, you know, check in on Jersey, he was still in the hospital bed. They had to sedate him to put his, to put his shoulder back in. So, um, you know, just something, I guess, hockey players kind of do. And, you know, he, as if nothing happened, got back on the bus and back two hours to the hotel. So, uh, yeah, small town, Definitely not not that big. I know a couple of our guys are friends with their guys, and then they said there's not much to do there, but a good hockey place. And um, yeah, we, disappointing again to lose because I thought we were we were definitely poised to win. And again, part of the learning process and and how to play games like that. So you're going into two more games. What are what are some of your takeaways from both of these games and moving into a couple of tough opponents in, in big prominent universities in Pitt and Robert Morris? What, what were some of your takeaways from these games that you're going to take into those? Eliminating mistakes and being prepared to play. I mean, I, ch- I chatted last week or when we chatted a couple weeks ago about the mobility and, and, the, and, and just the way the brain works at, at the higher level for, for these players. You know, I think now we have to eliminate mistakes and then be prepared to play from the first period. And again, those guys figuring out, our guys figuring out how to travel, get on a plane, get up early, travel well, eat well, sleep well. So when you get to this, the destination you're at, which is usually a four or five hour flight and then a three hour time difference, you know, you're ready to make that, that transition into the, into the Friday and the game day. So not as easy as people would think, but they're young, they're resilient. They, they shouldn't have a problem doing that. It's just a matter of getting in that mindset and making sure you're prepared to do those things. That's to me, that's the next step. And I think, um, you know, the mistakes part, they're just simple mistakes that we got to fix. And we've, we've been working on those things with video and, and in practice. All right. So now looking ahead into those next games, you're uh, heading over to Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. You got first up against the university Pitt. How's that? How's that looking? How are you set up there in the ACHA? If, uh... Yeah, don't know much about them. Club hockey team at the at the Division One level. I, I would imagine they're going to be pretty good. Over the last couple of years, Lindenwood's made the jump, and Arizona State made the jump from ACHA to, to NCAA. So I'm sure they're they're going to be quality, and, and we're going to just have to see if we can steal some video somewhere. Um, so we're we're expecting a tough matchup, and um, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, again, traveling and getting over there is going to be tough, but should be prepared for a Friday night game against them. Uh, how do you prepare or how would you prepare? Let's say you don't get video. You don't know much about this team. How do you get this team prepared to play a team that you have no idea? Yeah. I mean, I think Jimmy and even working with Krog this week at practice, I think we got to focus on what we do well and work on those things. It, it, you know, the psyche of the guys is sometimes a little fragile, especially as, as a 20 year old, 21, 22, doesn't really matter. 
you, you get into their head a lot if you if you're if you're watching too much video and you're concerned about what other guys are doing or what the other team's doing. I think if we execute and do what we want to do well, I think you got a better chance of being successful down the road um, because you're you're just focusing on what you do well and our game plan, which is going to be you know play with speed. Our transition game is has gotten a lot better, and then cleaning up our defensive zone. Our goaltending's fantastic. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And, and, and I think we've proven now we can skate at the level we need to. So again, focusing on what we do well and controlling our own, um, our own energy level and, and our preparedness is, is probably the key, even if we don't get video. Fair enough. All right. You're going to a little more prominent university in hockey, um, but probably more known for basketball than is Robert Morris. Uh, they're NCAA division one. So they, they are, this is a high level program. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you got on them? What are you looking forward to? In that yeah, one? we, we have some video on them already from their last couple of games, uh, one against Holy Cross and, and some other stuff. So we'll, we'll do a pre-scout and have, you know, especially special teams is probably the most important in my opinion. Again, we want to focus on trying to dictate the pace of play, knowing we can compete with these guys and our game plan would be again, to, to, to control what we can control. And that's our, our energy levels and the way we move up and down the ice and get the puck north south. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Their D one team just came back online. I, I really think our guys are, are figuring out again and, and, and really prepared to play. I think we're looking, you know, we're looking sharp and, and, and we're, we're going in with the mindset that, you know, we've got an opportunity to win two hockey games and that's, that's, that's the mindset of our guys right now. What do you need to do to win? I mean, these are two tough programs. One even being a club team, that's still division one. It's still tough. They're still going to bring in solid recruits. So what does this team need to do to win to, or maybe have a chance in this game? Yeah. Stay out of the box is always, was always a, <laughs> was always a, is a good one. Um, oh. Goaltending goal is going to be definitely paramount and how we do things at this level. We, we, we always know we're going to be behind the eight ball, I guess. It, you know, from, from the outsiders looking in, SFU's a club hockey team. You're not funded. What are you doing playing these D1 teams? You have no business doing this. So we always know we're going to be a little bit maybe not as deep or or what have you. So our goaltending's always got to be good. So we know that. Now it's just eliminating those mistakes and, and having the confidence to play. Um, I think, we again, we proved it the last couple of weeks in a row that we can we can compete and skate at that level. Now it's just that confidence, inner the inner confidence with our guys not being that sense of, you know, oh, shit, what are we doing? You know, why, why, why is coach bringing us here to play these games? We're, we're, you know, we're in over our head. I think that's just unnecessary stress you put on yourself. You know, we believe we can win and uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to try and do that. All right. So that pretty much sums up everything that's going on um, with uh, SFU hockey right now. And I guess we can move into our next segment here. Dump and change. Mark Coletta's favorite. He big fan of the name. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good name. I actually spoke with a former teammate of mine um, the other day. He was, he's a good player back in his day. And we were just talking, we both, you know, we're a little older now. We played at Kimball Union together in New Hampshire, but um, went to Plattsburgh together too as well. And, and he said to me the other day, cause we're, you know, I might meet him for, for a dinner or something when we go to Long Island in November. But so I, I wanted to reach out and see if he's in town that weekend and go from there. And he, you know, I asked him how he was doing and how his kids are doing and stuff. And he says, yeah, I'm not a goal scorer anymore. Coletta, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dump and change guy. So, um, you know, you know, as you get older, this, this is the, you know, the 30 second shift and, and off. Get the puck out of the zone and dump it in and get yeah. the zone. or an 80 minute, an 80 minute, an, an 80 minute sub coming in at the end of the game to, 
to maybe poach a goal. This ball bounces right to his feet and kicks it right in. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh, today we're talking about multi-sport sports athletes, which I didn't go very far, but I was once one. I'm sure you were as well. And I think most kids are, but eventually they some don't go to the multi-sport. Or, uh, why don't you tell us maybe your experiences and what do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a... I think it's one of those things that um, over the last handful of years, because of the specialization in, in sports, whether it's hockey, soccer, basketball, gymnastics, tennis, it does, doesn't matter. There's become a, let's just say priority to, 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 you know, and maybe it's, it's, it's all brought upon the, the money part of it from coaches and, and developers or the parents, you know, wanting their kids to be at the highest level. I, I just think, you know, telling a kid, a boy or girl at eight, nine, 10 years old, that, well, you got to choose a sport is really detrimental to their growth and their development. I think, you know, physical literacy is a pretty important part of being a, a high-end athlete, if that's what you're trying to do. Um, not to mention, if you just want to be a good beer league hockey player or a recreation soccer player, you know, you should be able to bounce a ball, throw a ball, kick a ball, and do those things as you get older. And I think that whole notion that we've been hearing a lot over the last handful of years is, is crazy to me um, because you want to have kids at 15, 16 or 17, 18 be athletic uh, in their movements and their mobility, the way they can read and react and watch, watch a play develop. Um, and when you take that away from them early and specialize in one sport, I think you lose that athleticism and that mental side of the game where you're not able to read and, and, and watch and know how things are going. I think, and I believe you should play a, 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 as many sports as you can up until, you know, your parents can't physically do it or monetary values too much here and there, but um, telling kids not to, and or, or to pick something early, I think is, is not the right, not the right move. I mean, I, I, from, my personal experience, I grew up, I played soccer in the fall, winter, and then baseball in the spring. Yeah. Um, so that, um, I, and I was thinking about this because we were talking about maybe doing this and, and I was thinking about soccer versus baseball, how that might've helped me in different areas. And I kind of thought when you think of soccer, it's very team oriented. The whole team needs to work together to get a yeah. goal. You, one person cannot do this. They really can't. But in baseball, you more have to take on ownership as yourself because it's you making the catch. It's you hitting the ball. You know, the, these are two kind of separate things, but I, I think they both help me in, you know, being a teammate with soccer and having to understand and utilize other players. Um, whereas in baseball, I'm helping the team by being the best version of myself and learning how to take control and own, you know, if that ball is coming to you, you need to be like, no, this is my ball. I'm going to get it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting and completely different athleticisms like baseball is a very stop start sport but soccer is very fluid so you know i i think i've been able to, to help you or help me myself with different sports in that sense but i i the, the statistics are out here and more professional athletes were multi-sport athletes as a kid it's, yeah. it's proven so i like i don't i don't quite understand why and you're a coach obviously you're not maybe bringing in young young kids but like why would you consider being like no you're really good at hockey. You should stop playing soccer so you can focus on hockey. Like what, at what age do you think that's a good idea? And, and why do you think people would still want to do that any earlier? Well, just to piggyback on your point there about, you know, the multi-sport, I mean, the baseball 
the hand-eye coordination, um, you know, just, just, just realizing certain things and situational plays um, and soccer using your feet. I mean, it, they all kind of translate into, into, like I said, that athletic ability of the individual as you get older, and you, you know, how many times have you seen Crosby pick up a puck off a skate mm-hmm. and then fire it or, you know, a kid, you know, the Sedins when they were here in Vancouver, just being able to, to play with the puck between their feet and protect it. You know, the athleticism of McDavid the other day to drop to his knees, spin. And I know Jake's, Jake's really smiling now because it's a McDavid <laughs> shout out, but you know, that, that play alone, the puck wasn't even near him, but he was just able to fall, get up, spin. And, and, and that very skill set is what we teach six and seven year olds on the ice when they're learning to skate. And so obviously, you know, those things matter. I mean, you watch a soccer player, you know, switch a ball sideline to sideline in the air and, and be able to control that ball without letting it bounce. Yeah. You know, those things, those things just don't happen overnight. And, and, and if you're not athletic to be able to do that, you know, I think lacrosse probably translates really well to, to a lot of sports. Again, the physicality, the intensity, just catching that ball, being able to throw that ball and, and, and run and get beat up probably a lot in lacrosse as well. But to, to answer your question about when you should stop or not stop, I mean, I think it's up to the parents and how, what level the kid is at what particular sport, right? I mean, if you're, if you're excelling at a sport come 13, 14, and you're really coming into your own, maybe it's time to, to tweak it a bit and, and maybe just play the other sport at a rec level, you know, um, and, and then continue the growth of the other sport. But I, I, I think, you know, up until 13, 14, your grade eight, grade nine years, you should be trying to play both sports. You know, um, family friend of ours, Ben Kindle, real good soccer player. Both parents obviously played professionally and, and both are SFU alums, um, Sarah and Steve. And, you know, obviously Ben chose hockey and was really dynamic at hockey at a young age and started getting better as he got older and now it's with the Calgary Hitmen and, and doing really well, but you know, both his parents are soccer guys and he chose hockey, but he didn't quit one. He played both up until grade 11, I believe, and both at a high level, you know, like I said, I mean, again, I played both at Plattsburgh my first year, which again, nothing special, but I think it helped. Um, So again, I, I think you got to at least make a decision after your grade eight or nine year, which one you want to be focused on. And, and then start start hammering that out, maybe grade nine. To answer your other question is, why do they not? I think it's it's just, again, going back to the keeping up with the Joneses, right? And, and one parent or parents thinking their kid's going to get to the next level if they, if, you know, oh, shit, you know, they're doing power skating eight times a week. There's only seven, yeah. right? There's only seven days in a week, but they're doing it eight, apparently. So if I miss out, my kid isn't going to get good enough. So I got to stop doing soccer, piano or badminton, you know, whatever, whatever other activity they're doing and say, screw it. I'm going to go. I just got to go to hockey at eight or nine years old, forgetting that, you know, the kids in grades four, you know, they still got a lot of growing to do. Puberty hasn't set in yet. And who knows what that kid's going to do when he's 15, 16. So I think it's a lot to do with the parents mindset and whoever they've listened to. And again, going back to last week's segment where getting informed and, and getting the best advice you can and not just listening to the guy who's saying, well, you should quit other sports and just focus on hockey. Meanwhile, you're giving that particular guy a lot of money. <laughs> so 
the more you're there, the more money he makes kind of thing or, or she makes. So I just think it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope when you, when you, when you tell a kid or boy or girl to, to stop doing something that, you know, and focus on one. Well, it doesn't work. And I really don't mean to throw this guy under the bus, but who was it? Josh Hosang. I saw a stat on this guy and he spent like, his family spent like thousands upon thousands of dollars for skating classes and all this stuff. And up until, you know, he was high level draft eligible type of player. And well, he's not good. (laughs) Like all the talent in the world, but it's just like, it doesn't, you could spend all the money in the world. It has no guarantees. You're going to make it to the big. No. And and just him getting to the NHL level, I guess is, is, I mean, he had to do something right, but you, but you're right. I mean, there's a lot of kids who, and parents who put a lot of money into their kid to, to get to the pro level. And I think that already is, is a crazy idea because you have a better chance of your kid being a doctor, a lawyer, going to going to space and being an astronaut for Christ's sake, to be, to be blunt. Um, the, the numbers on getting to the NHL, if you looked at a birth year, the, there was a bunch of stuff done a bunch of years ago. If you look at it, just a particular birth year, all the Canadian kids who play hockey and registered for played hockey in Canada, in a, per, in, in a birth year, blah, blah, blah. And you see the amount of kids who played just one or 20 NHL games or whatever it was. I can't even remember. Yeah. Maybe we can dig it up for next time. But it's, it's, it's crazy. The number is so small that, again, you have a better chance of being an astronaut and, and walking on the moon. Like it's, I don't know. I, I just think any pro sport, you have to be elite. Spending money and just throwing money at it isn't always the right thing specializing early isn't gonna gonna help one way or the other um you know we look at tennis you look at yannick sinner the italian tennis player now i mean he, he was a he was a high level skier up until he was 13 14 yeah. skiing he didn't he, he wasn't really until tennis came about and he's only 20 so it's not like he's been he wasn't a prodigy at tennis i don't think early but again being a well-rounded athlete and um doing those things i think make you better not only as a, as, a, as a player, but as a person. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's crazy to, to think that you're going to tell a kid at eight or nine that he's got to pick a sport because that's what you're doing. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty wild to me that that would happen as somebody, again, didn't go anywhere with it, but multi-sports, I think, has helped me in the long run. I still play about five different sports a week, so. <laughs> well, that's, you know, so you got to do it, Nick. I mean. That's you got to keep, you got to keep active. You know, you know, you're, you're not getting any younger, are you? Oh, I've, I've... Uh, to answer your question, Mark, there's on average, it's been lower the past couple of years, uh, just after the COVID year. Yeah. Um, but their average is about 650,000 minor hockey registrations a year in Canada alone. And only okay. select few actually go far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the goal the goal to get to the NHL, it, it, it's uh, it's nuts, right? Or even to play professional soccer, whatever sport it is, it's it. There, they are. There's a reason why there's only 32 hockey teams with 20, 22, 23 players, right? So that you know, it's no different than coaching. There's only 32 coaching jobs. Yep, that's a hard yep. thing to do. And, and yet we keep we keep recycling these coaches. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it happens at every level. Forget that. Trust me, it happens in the junior levels, happens at college levels, pro levels. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, it's sometimes it's 
it's good. You, you'll, you'll see a couple of guys learn from their experience somewhere else. And, and then, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But. Okay, just continuing. I'm just going to jump back. So in 2019, the number of players registered in minor hockey was 607,000. Yeah. In the 2019 NHL draft, there were 64 picks. <laughs> Canadians. 64 Canadians picked in that draft. But on average, you know, you know, looking at these numbers, you're sitting at 600 to 650,000 kids signing up for minor hockey per year. And, you know, maybe 50 to 100 of them uh, will get drafted into the NHL. I'm no yes. math efficient, but that's like less than a percent. So what's the percent? I'm no math major. Didn't get a didn't get a math degree from Plattsburgh, so I it's, don't. It's gonna be rough math. It's not gonna be exact, but give me a second. All right, you do that. But I have a question for you, Mark, because we're talking about sports and we're talking about playing sports. And long, I've always wanted to have the broadcast team take on your team. Yeah. Ice hockey game. Be three on three. Could be whatever. And I wanted to see who would win. So the broadcast team versus who? Your team. Your SSU team. hockey team. Yeah. That'd be a tough game. What it? I don't think so. I'm pretty good. Well, we, you know, we give you our goalies too? Oh, yeah. You'd have to give us a goalie. We don't have a goalie. Okay. You give, you we'll, give us whoever you want. We'll put then. Wardo in that. Oh, God. <laughs> he actually dressed. He, he went in net. Him and Chu went in net last year during the Christmas break. Really? I didn't know that, but okay. We can share. And then, yeah. yeah. No, and then, I, yeah, I just thought it would be a little fun thing to do. We can live stream it or something. And maybe, maybe we might have to do it and raise some money for charity. Hey, hey, that, good content piece. In yeah. saying that, in saying that, that's again, there's one of the things that is, is a totally different movement and, and skill set. So, yeah. you, you put the goalie gear on these guys who are players and put them in that and they look like they're you know bambi on ice it's you know it's a different movement they're sweating within 10 minutes because of the up and down the side to side you know and again it's it's that athleticism that that you 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 underappreciate maybe in a certain position or, or a certain skill set of of doing doing a different sport which is you know obviously goal hockey goalies playing hockey but he's doing so many different things than the average, the normal player does. And um, it's really fascinating to see players strap on all that gear and then stand there while guys are ripping pucks at him. It's not, um, it's actually funny, but, <laughs> um, you know, they chose to jump in the lineup so or jump in the net. So it's not like uh, they were forced to do it. I'm in. I'm in. Jake, you'd have to come down for it. I will. I'll get Jamie to film it or something. Exactly. Um, Great content piece. Yeah, if we do that, I will come down for it. We'll um, get Austin. Austin can jump on the ice, too. Oh, yeah. The whole team will get there. We'll get Austin. Yeah. We'll get Marissa. We'll get Alex, the camera guy. Yeah. Be awful. Jumping back. You're yes. right, Nick. Less than 1%. It is 0.01%. Yeah. <laughs> it is astronomically low. It's a, it's yeah. And, and, and when you, when you see these, you know, when you see parents at the rink and, and you, you kind of just look and you know, there's an anxiousness. I mean, obviously Barzell and, and Bedard and Fabro, there's some, there's a lot of local talent that's made it recently. Iorio, Hopkins. I mean, right in this little pocket that we're in the Patan, bro, Patan, 
Yep. You know, who else? Harkins' kid. I mean, there's a handful of kids that grew up in this last Evander Kane, Lucic. Shit, we can name a lot of them in this last five years. But so I think that feeds into the narrative where, oh, well, then if they can make it, my kid can make it. And I think when you really look at that stat, that number, I still think parents would say, wow, we got a chance. Right? It's like, it's like, wow, when we grew up, the first big guy from here was was Cliff Ronning, obviously making some hay. And then, you know, then he w- he was out of the NHL for a bit before he came to Van- back to Vancouver. Yeah. But I think if I'm, you know, memory serves me correct, it, w- it wasn't until Joe Sackick really became a superstar that somebody from Burnaby, Vancouver, North Van was at that level, right? I mean, Cliff might have been the first. Sackick would have had to been the, the high. I don't know. Am I missing somebody? I don't know. All I know is that I do have a sense of pride because, yes, I'm from North Van, and not a lot of kids have come from North Van, but uh, Connor Bedard, a lot of actual good kids. Colton Sissons scored the other night. Yeah, Sissons and the Reinhardts. Uh, Marty Jones. Martin, Martin Jones. Fun fact, went to my elementary school at the same time I did. All right, all right. I had no idea until he was in the NHL, but. <laughs> Are the Celebrinis from North Van? Uh... I think they live there now, but Rick, yeah. the dad's a Burnaby guy, so we'll take, we'll take oh, them oh, as Burnaby. We'll take them. Okay. Oh, Burnaby. Okay. Hometown, hometown Burnaby guys. <laughs> Whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, I'd be curious to see how many of our SFU guys have played multi-sports growing up. I know, I know a handful of them when they play sewer ball, they definitely have a good touch on the soccer ball, but. You ask them. I should ask him and have that yeah. number for us next uh, next yeah. next pod. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to know how many of your athletes is. And I just got a quick question about that. Like, have you ever asked that when you're recruiting a player? Have you been like, do you play other sports? Yeah, you know that's actually a good thought. I might have to do that when I'm recruiting kids now and seeing if they if they have played other sports and with other teams and, and do a little bit of a a background check. I, I'd like to know how many, you know, what a you know, other than hockey, what have these kids done? Right. And that's, that's a good thing because character and, and, and building a culture in your room and, and being able to um, have quality people in the room is really important. So if they played other sports or they've done other things and been a part of uh, whatever it is, I, I think that bodes well as a, as a recruiting tactic too, to see what they're done. Me and Jimmy joked the other week, we, we would really be curious to see how many of these guys know how to start a lawnmower and a mow a lawn before because <laughs> Um, I, you know, I doubt, I doubt many of them have done that. And, and, and so that might stem to the work ethic thing or, or, or how they, how they were brought up. So, but, uh, no, that's a good point. I, I, I might add that to my, um, my thought process when recruiting kids. I don't know if there's royal, any royalties in recruiting, but yeah, yeah, no, there might be, maybe they get a <laughs> stick. Nice. Get you an autograph, um, Ben Ward stick. Oh man, the that's dream. your finder's fee. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that that probably will probably wrap it up from there. Is this getting a bit off the rails? But <laughs> this is uh, been episode two of Rise in Red, the official SFU hockey podcast. Mark, Jake, it's been fun. All right, all right. May, hopefully, we'll have a special guest next uh, after we get back from Robert Morris. See if we can um, add some add a little more flair to the to the context here and to the conversation. Little teaser, baby. We'll see you next yeah. time on the podcast. Episode three will be out shortly, and episode two will be out this Monday. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you.